Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Hey, so great to be with you. And again, great to be with your uh, pastors, Shane and Rachel, who I've known for a long, long time. We've grown bald together through all the years. And um, well, we, I, I mean we, you're looking fantastic, but we, you know, when people see Kathy and myself, my wife, we've been married 34 years this year together. Uh, she looks a bit like Rachel. She's very young looking and we've got grandkids. And uh, they look at Kathy and go, how on earth do you have grandchildren? And they look at me and go, well, it's obviously you do, but how does she have it? But I want to say the girls look so good because of the husband's care for our wives. It's all the money I make goes into her beauty products and keeping her look so good. So uh, it's great to be with you tonight. And I, I want to share something with you that I think will we'll maybe, maybe um, unpack a few, well, one big myth that a lot of people fall into, but hopefully tonight, my goal is that when you leave this place, you have a little bit of clarity around one issue. And I think tonight it'll bring some encouragement to some of you who may battle with this whole uh, the cycle of life that and Christianity and how faith and doubt and questions all work into this. Um, if you've been around, if you've been a follower of Christ for any amount of time, then you would hear people say, comments or quotes that they think sound really noble and really spiritual, but actually aren't in the Bible. They say things like, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. And it's actually not in the Bible. It doesn't say that. It says that the love of money is the issue, not money. Or some people say, um, you know, God helps those who help themselves. And that sounds really good, but it's actually not biblical. I've discovered that even when I wasn't helping myself, God still stepped in and wanted to help me. That's the God that we serve. And I want to unpack one tonight that we're all guilty of using. Okay? And we mean well when we say it, but we're actually probably not doing people a justice when we say it. It's this. God won't give you more than you can handle. Now, just for a moment, for the first time today, a bit of honesty. Who's ever said it? Okay, quite a few of us here. We mean well. We're with someone that's going through a really tough time. We're with someone that's struggling somewhere, and we don't know what to say, so we pull out the old bumper sticker statement and says, hey, God won't give you more than you can handle. And I want to give you the Bible verse that actually people base that statement around. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this to Corinth. Now, I want you to understand something about Corinth. Corinth was what they called, well, not what they called, but what we would call today, Temptation Island. It's the land that you went to to get tempted. It was full of sexual promiscuity and debauchery. That's such a great word, debauchery. Hey, we don't, it's a bit like, you know, um, you know yeah, we need to bring it back. Uh, uh, um, greed and wealth, and that's, that was Corinth. It's a little bit like the modern-day Gold Coast. I live at the Gold Coast. We have schoolies there. 60,000 kids every year come to the Gold Coast. They don't come to live a more righteous life. Okay, they come because it's Temptation Island. They want to get in amongst it. Well, Corinth was that. And so Paul wrote to the people, the Corinthians, and he said this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, what's interesting here, because this is the phrase, this is the verse that people go to when we're going through tough times and they say, hey, God won't give you more than you can handle. Look, this is what the Bible says. The word temptation actually means this, a trial regarded as enticing to sin. 
So Paul is not saying expect minimal pain and disappointment and suffering in your life. He's saying this, don't let yourself rationalize or justify sliding into temptation because God is a faithful God who always gives us a way out. Let me give you an example. I spoke at a conference yesterday in Nara and I let everyone know, they all know it now, that I have a fetish for almond croissants. Now, in Nowra, they've never heard of almond croissants. They're lucky hearing of croissants. But I'm sure here in Shell Harbour, you guys are much more coastal, much more cool. Do we have an almond croissant understanding people here? Some of you are sitting there going, I've got no idea what he's talking about. You need to try one. Find a really hipster cafe. Okay, work out first because they're, they're about 800 calories in each one. But they are worth it. They are the carbohydrate equivalent of crack, okay? They're, they're almost sacramental. You get one of them and you'll be changed forever. It'll revolutionize your life. Anyway, I have this little, I, I like them. And so whenever I go to a cafe and I see one in the cabinet, it is the same effect upon my life as if I saw a puppy at a pet store. You know, in the cage all alone and it looks at you. Take me home, okay? That's what croissants do to me. They look at me. They appeal to me. And this is what I do. If I'm driving somewhere and passing a cafe that I know does really good almond croissants, I'll put a fleece out and I'll pray. And I'll say, God, if it's your will that I have an almond croissant, give me a free car park right at the front of the cafe. And let me tell you, without fail, on the seventh time around, there is always a car park empty. That's what Paul is talking about when it comes to temptation. He is saying, God is faithful. You, he doesn't want you to drive around the block seven times and finally go, oh, I'm just going to give in to the temptation. He always gives us a way out. If you are addicted to a substance, he'll give you a support group. If you are lonely, he'll give you a connect group. If you are struggling somewhere in your life, he'll give you a friend that you can confide in, someone that you can share your heart with. God always gives us a way out so that we don't have to walk a pathway into Temptation Island. That's what that verse is talking about. And what we do as good-meaning people to bring comfort to other people is we say, hey, God, because of that verse, won't give you more than you can handle. And that's true when it's talking about temptation. So for every young person here tonight, and I've heard it a thousand times that, you know, physically, sexually, just kind of crosses some lines that they know that they shouldn't have, and then they come, and you sit down, and they go, it just happened. Let me tell you something. Before it just happened, I can guarantee you this much, because God is faithful, you would have had an opportunity to avoid it. There would have been a way out. One of your mates would have said, what are you doing? Where are you going? Come with me. Your parents would have rung you. And you just kind of put the phone on silent and ignored it. There would have been little signs that God was saying, hey, I'm giving you a way out in this. There's an opportunity to escape this temptation. Now, let me give you another verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul is talking again. And this is what Paul said. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely on, not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So you've got Paul 
one of the greatest voices in the New Testament, telling the people at Corinth that there is a moment in his life where he was so fearful of dying that he was pushed to the brink of despair to the point where he felt, I cannot handle anything else in my life. And I'm pretty sure if one of us rocked up to Paul and said, hey, Paul, God won't give you anything that you can't handle. According to that verse, probably wouldn't have gone down that well. And this tension, this is where I want to unpack with you tonight. And I want to, where's our, where's our pen? Oh, of course, right here. On the, oh, isn't that nice? The way, did a girl dress this table? A lady? No, honestly, it is a gift that women have just to go the extra measure and put a napkin down. If that was a guy, they would have just been thrown there. They wouldn't probably work. None of the caps would be on it. But because of it's a lady, it's wonderful. Good gift. Anyway, I digress. Let me do a diagram that Pastor Craig Grishel, in his book called Hope in the Dark, uses this illustration. And it's hopefully going to bring a little bit of understanding to all of us. Somewhere in our life, we've all been at this point right here, before I trip. We've all been at this point right here. This is our days of before we knew Christ. We're here. And maybe tonight you're here and you've ne never made a decision to follow Jesus. And maybe a friend brought you tonight and we've all been. You're here at this point. We've all been at this point. But somewhere along the journey, someone was good enough to us to invite us to church, to share their faith with us. We made a decision for Christ and then we started the Christian journey. And what I've discovered God does through His grace for each and every one of us, the first season of our Christian life, everything is amazing. Like, like you pray for a parking spot, bang, and there it is. You no longer have to park in the handicap spot illegally. You got one right out the front. You pray for friends to get saved, and bang, they come to church. And you go to, you, you listen to Pastor Shane preaching, and you're going, oh God, he's talking to me. You come in and start worshiping, tears are rolling down your face. The church are the friendliest people in the world. You're invited to a life group and to connect. Youth ministry is amazing. The first season of anyone giving their heart to Christ, everything is amazing. But this is what I've discovered. discovered. The longer you walk with Jesus, sooner or later you come to a point where not all your prayers get answered. And suddenly the people here that were really friendly and invited you to life groups suddenly talk about you behind your back. And that person that you were believing God for was going to get healed of something, they didn't get healed and we fall into and we step into what author Henry Blackaby says is a crisis of belief right there. All of us encounter this somewhere in our journey. We come to a point and we start asking questions. And I want to let you know today that Jesus in his darkest hours hung on a cross and asked a question of his Father in heaven, why have you forsaken me? That King David, if you read through the Psalms, in his darkest days, he asked questions. The question asking is not wrong. It's just when we get the bad answers that derail our life. And I know that it, it's possible for you and I to be deeply committed followers of Christ and at the same time be asking questions and having some doubts in our hearts. Because right at this moment, you had three choices. All of us have it. The first choice is... We want to go back here and we deny our faith. We go, you know what? This whole thing's a charade. 
This whole thing ain't worth it. It's a lie. I, I, you know, I, I subscribed to this thing, but it didn't work out. My mother died. My, my brother, my marriage fell apart. My business, I went bankrupt. Stuff it. I'm walking out. I'm going back to the life I used to have when I could be free and it wasn't, you know, preached at all the time. I'm going to deny my faith. And all over Shell Harbor, there are people who used to be in places like this that have denied their faith because somewhere they've hit a crisis of belief and they've walked away. There are people in this room tonight and you are right at this place right now and you are questioning God, you're questioning your faith, you're questioning your belief system, you're questioning your gender, you're questioning the authenticity of Scripture and you are tempted right now just to walk away. The second thing you can do is try and rediscover your feelings. So you deny reality. And a lot of people do this. They just go, well, you know what? I, I just want the feeling I had. And so I'm going to ignore the fact that my prayers aren't being answered. I'm going to ignore the fact that I've got all these questions. I'm going to bury them deep down inside. And I'm just trying to go with the motions. But you and I know, because I've tried doing this, that sooner or later, you just run dry. You can't do it. The third option is this. And this is what James, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 24 says. It says, Brethren, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, that the testing of our faith produces patience, and patience, when it's had its full effect in our life, develops maturity that we would be lacking nothing. God's goal for you and I is not to get derailed by the crisis of belief, but through the dips in our life is to understand that his goal is to bring us to a maturity in Christ. And unfortunately, a lot of the church is made up of older people who still act like children. And when we don't like the sound, we fold our arms and we stomp and we squeal. When the coffee's not quite right, we go, oh, that's just terrible. When the programs don't work in the church, when the youth ministry goes through a bit of a, a, a tough time, when people aren't quite as friendly, I'm amazed how fragile and immature we can become because the goal for all of us is to go through the seasons of life and become mature people. I've literally seen thousands of people bail in this process thousands that have come through the doors of our church and no doubt you guys are the same here and yet all along God is saying you know what I want to develop you I want to grow you and what I do in these seasons here I can't do on the mountaintops because on the mountaintops we kind of get a little bit free and easy we're pretty cool we don't need God as much it's in these seasons right here where prayer becomes a necessity we're leaning in we're getting connected with people it becomes more important and in it God develops maturity and suddenly we have mums and dads of all ages in the house of God that know what it is to mentor, to disciple, to stand strong that become pillars in the church. And we need older men who know how to finish well, who can train young men how to stay married, who can inspire teenagers how to be a good dad and a good father. But when we bail on this process... We just become immature people. And the good news is this, is that you start growing through that and suddenly you come to a new mountaintop experience. Sooner or later, guess what happens? There's another crisis of belief. 
Only the crisis of belief you face here is probably going to be a bigger crisis than you face there because your faith has grown. And suddenly you were believing God here to pay a car payment. Now up here you believe in God to buy a property and a business. It's a new venture. It's a new level. But to get there, there are these seasons and you've got to go through what Henry Blackaby calls the crisis of faith. And in that crisis of faith, there are questions. And you need to know that it's okay to have questions. You need to know. You know, when, when, and, and Shane, you know, we came up through the same era. You weren't allowed to question your faith. If you questioned God, it was a faith issue. You need to pray far harder. You need to fast more. And we fell, fell into this works mentality. But when you read, read through Scripture, Scripture is full of men and women of God who, who pressed in and said, God, why is this happening? What is going on here? Questions aren't wrong. It's just the wrong information, the wrong answers that we get that derail us. And so tonight, what I want to do in the time that we've got left, I want to give you two reasons and two things that God does through our disappointments. And I pray that tonight it'll be an encouragement to all of you. Let me read one more verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. And again, this is Paul writing, and he says this. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we may comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Let me give you the first thing. It's this. God uses our pain to bring us to Himself. One of the issues with that statement, God won't give you more than you can handle, is that it makes God the one who dishes out pain. God is not in heaven saying, to this family, I'm going to give their little boy brain cancer. To this family, I'm going to cause their father to die in a car accident. I'm going to give poverty or bankruptcy to this family over here. And the struggle for a lot of us is we picture God. If, you, if, if you've ever seen that movie, uh, uh, Liar, Liar, Bruce... Um, what's his name? Jim Carrey. And, and he, he's angry at God. And he says, God is nothing but a mean kid with a magnifying glass sitting on an anthill. And he goes, and I'm the ant. <laughs> because we have a picture of God like a, a Gandalf picture of a grumpy old man sitting in heaven with a, with a big stick that whenever we do something wrong, there's just this, this sense of, of, of anger and punishment that comes from him. Most of us see God as a reflection of our earthly father. And I don't know where you lacked in your relationship with your dad. Maybe you were fortunate to have a dad that was just the best dad ever. I had a father who, who ticked so many boxes but was present at home but not engaged. Let me tell you, our God is not a reflection of my father who's in heaven present but not engaged with me. God is not the reflection. He's the perfection of your father. He is everything right about what our earthly parents could not be. And the Bible says that he is the God of all comfort. God is not the God of all pain and suffering. He is the God of all comfort. And we need to get that tonight. And the reason why God, I can't be blamed and you can't use that quote, God won't give you more than you can handle because God's not dishing it out. A lot of our own disappointment in life, a lot of our own suffering in life can happen because we've made bad decisions. We've leased things we shouldn't have leased. We've bought things we shouldn't have bought. We've dated things that we shouldn't have dated. 
Sometimes our suffering's being thrust on us from other people that we had no say. And sometimes it is just life. Well, however you've encountered pain in your life and however it has entered your world, I know this much. He is the God of all comfort. And when I went through dark seasons with my son, as he, as he continued to, to kind of walk his own journey and up praying and believing God for him, one of the scriptures was this that got me through, was to understand that God, you are a God of comfort. And your goal through this season isn't to chastise my boy, isn't to chastise me and to tell me, well, you failed as a parent. It's for me to discover something about you and something about myself and the gap between us to be shortened as I draw into you. And whatever's happening in your life tonight, folks, God's goal is to get you closer. And I don't know what it is about us because we're all a little bit this way, but when we go through these seasons of life for a lot of us, the thing we should be doing is leaning in, but most, a lot of us lean out. I've got a friend, he's probably 56, 57, very successful developer on the Gold Coast, going through a marriage split right now. Been in our church for about five years. And I've been meeting with him and someone else is meeting with the wife and it doesn't look like a big reconciled. And I, I, I believe you know, that God can reconcile, but it doesn't look like they want it to be reconciled. It's just messy. But I've watched his journey and when he's kicking it out of the park and making money on the properties. Man, he's in here. He's all over. And right now he's going through this. He won't answer my text messages. He doesn't come to church. He pulls right away. And the very moment when God is wanting to draw him in closer, he's going the opposite direction. And we've got to be the people that understand this, that when we go through stuff, God, he's trying to get you closer to him. The second thing is the band come is this. God uses our pain to bring others to Him. So not only will our disappointment, our pains bring us closer to God, God will actually allow our pain and disappointment to bring others to Him. There is something special that only God could do through His comfort in our suffering. And when God brings healing into our life, the very scars and the wounds that we carry around, the things that we most often want to hide are the very things through what Jesus has done for you and I that actually become bridges to other people. I love the heart of your pastors here. Pastor Shane was just showing me the plans for the future here and what you want to do with the daycare center and community center and being so community uh, um, orchestrated and all that you do. I pray that you never lose the spirit of that because in this gathering of people, there are answers to thousands of people across this city that tonight are bound in loneliness, that tonight are bound with sickness, that tonight are walking through parenting by themselves because their spouses walked out. There are mums and dads right across this city whose kids are hooked on some sort of substance. And in this church, there are people you've walked that journey. And locked up inside of you is the comfort that you discovered in God that you can bring to someone else. You know, one of the challenges we face, because you're coastal, you're a little bit like us at the Gold Coast, that new people can come to your great facility, they can come to your beautiful car park, they can pull up there, and when they're outsiders and they don't know people, they kind of pull up and they look at all of us. You're all well-dressed, you all look pretty cool, and you, they see us all having our coffees and laughing together. <laughs> bless you, no, bless you. 
And from a distance, we can look like a cocktail party for successful people. Some of you just woke up with the word cocktail. Oh, really? We serve them at a church? I've never seen them. But they don't know that we're a gathering of broken people that have found something common in Christ. And the reason why a lot of times they don't know is because we don't want to show it. So we spend endless energy with management of who we are and not really allowing people to see what's going on on the inside. I'm going to do something that I've only done a couple of times in my entire ministry life because I, I don't like m making people feel a little bit awkward, but this won't make you feel awkward. But I'm going to read through a list of human categories, problems that people face today. And at the end of this list, I'm going to ask you to stand if you've in any way personally have been affected by these or have someone close to you that's been affected by these. So let me read through the list. I want you to listen in and you'll probably hear something that maybe you relate to. If you have ever suffered from deep grief or loss or loneliness, if you or somebody you love has ever been troubled by an addiction like alcohol, substance, sex or gambling, if you've ever been through the pain of betrayal or of divorce or of a broken family, if you've experienced the death of a spouse or a child or a loved one, if you've ever had a miscarriage or know the ache of wanting children but not being able to have them at all, if you've known vocational pain, failure, being terminated or joblessness, if you've been through cancer, heart problems or other difficult health, health conditions, if you've ever felt failure as a parent, if you've ever been the victim of emotional or physical or sexual abuse or assault, if you or somebody you have ever suffered, has ever suffered from depression, anxiety, phobias or a mental challenge. Tonight, if you know someone or if you personally have ever been affected by one of those areas, I want you to stand up. And what I'd love you to do is take a quick look around and see who you're surrounded by. Everyone. There is something beautiful about when the family of God realizes that we all have a crisis of belief. We all have moments where we question God. We don't always get the answers. But trust me that if you will allow God to build patience, maturity in your life as you go on this journey called following Christ, in this place, God will begin to develop the gold in this place that become the answers for a community. Let me read something to you before we close. It's the strange truth about being a follower of Christ. If you have suffered a major hurt, you have a major gift to offer. If you have suffered a major piece of suffering or pain, you have a major contribution to make to others. Not from your strength, but from your scar, your limp, your wound. For reasons I do not understand, shared pain creates a community that untroubled triumph does not. This doesn't mean that your suffering is always manageable, but it always means that your suffering is meaningful. And my encouragement tonight for all of us is this, is that there are people here tonight and you're somewhere on this scale. 
And I pray tonight that no matter what life brings your way, that you'll allow God to develop maturity in you. To every young person here, please hear me. You will hit a crisis of belief at some time. And it's my encouragement. I don't know what you guys do here for discipleship or alpha and stuff like that, but that every person would understand why we believe what we believe. It doesn't have to be super deep, but just enough to get you through the crisis of belief and not be one of the people who walk away and deny their faith. That you would take time to study and understand our relationship to our Father in heaven, that He's a God of all comfort. Because inside this place are the bridges that God wants to grow and wants to build to the communities that surround us. Let's pray. Father, tonight, I thank you. I thank you for every life in this place. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing and what you've done. Lord, for the testimonies, the stories. God, in this place, there are scars, there are limps, there are wounds, there are questions. But Father, I thank you for a community of people who are willing to be perfected, to become mature, lacking nothing, to be pillars in their community, to be bridges to other people. And you know, tonight, while every eye is closed, maybe you're here, and maybe right at the beginning of this diagram, I talked about people that have never given their life to Christ. And maybe you're one of those. Maybe you're here tonight, and you've never actually surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe you've always said, you know, I don't have all the answers yet. Still got so many questions, and hopefully tonight I helped you understand questions are a part of life. You're always going to have them. You don't wait to get all the answers before you make a decision. And maybe tonight you say, you know what? I've got enough clarity from tonight to understand that I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here, and you're one of the ones that hit a crisis of belief, and you just walked away. You had been a follower of Christ, but you've just walked. But you're back here tonight. Something happened in your Christian experience that caused you to lose hope and lose faith. And man, you were just out of here. And tonight you found yourself back in the house of God. I want to ask you tonight, would you surrender your life to Christ in this place tonight? Would you come back and say, God, I get it. I understand now of what this journey has been like. While eyes are closed in this place, as I look across, if that's you tonight and you say, hey, Ross, I want to surrender my life to Christ in this place tonight. Why don't you lift your hand in the air? And say, thank you so much up the front here. You can put it down. Who else do we have right across this place? Lift your hand in the air and say, hey, you know what? That's me. I want to give my life to Christ in this place. I know that I've been one of those ones that either walked away or I'm yet to make that decision quickly. I know there's two or three people here tonight. And right now, man, your heart is beating in your chest. And you've tried to justify why you don't believe and why you left and all these sort of things. And I get it. A lot of pain, a lot of disappointment. But in the end, God wants to shape maturity in your life. So quickly tonight, last time as I look across, I'd love you to slip your hand in the air before we pray together one more time. Awesome. Then let's pray just before Pastor Shane comes. Father, tonight. No, no I, I just, let me pray for you guys. Sorry. Father, tonight I pray in this place. God, I see prophetically you sharpening the arrow of this church. God, that this people, not the building, but the people would be an arrow in your quiver. And there are gifts in this place, there are passions in this place that you're beginning to stir. 
There are people here that have, have felt the, the pain of betrayal, and you're going to cause them to be uh, men and women who minister into the lives of other broken marriages. Father, there are people here that have known the deep pain of abuse in their life, and you're going to cause that wound to become a word in season for other people in this community. Father, there are people here with a heart for the homeless, people here that have got a heart for young people that are addicted to substance because they themselves have walked this journey. Father, there are businessmen and women here in this place that want to inspire young entrepreneurs because they know what it is not to be mentored and they don't want others to walk that path. There are single mums here, Father, who through their journey will be able to build bridges to other single mums and dads and to help them to be better parents and better people. Father, I pray tonight in this place, Lord, what we have walked through would no longer be an excuse to hide behind. It would be no longer a way to justify ourselves walking away. Father, I pray tonight for strength. I pray for boldness in the hearts of men and women in this place. I pray for every young person, Father, that is wrestling with questions tonight. I pray that there would be a locking in. I pray an openness to be teachable, to be shaped. I pray young people signing up to discover depth in their faith so they will not be though of those who just walk away and father i pray in the years to come that the young in this place will become the mature in this place that the mature in this place will even grow deeper in their maturity and their strength in christ i thank you for it tonight in the wonderful name of jesus amen and amen god bless you thank you pastor shane